With Passover approaching, Tour Plus is offering the English-speaking public a fantastic experience in Israel's leading hotels. Tour Plus has an excellent reputation. We pay special attention to kashrut standards, providing glat mahadrin kosher food and shmur matzah in each hotel. Visit us online at www.tourplus.co.il and click on the English button at the top. That's www.tourplus.co.il. Tour Plus for the complete vacation. Welcome. Shalom to all of you who love God, Torah, and Israel. I'm Jim Long, and on the other microphone as usual, Ray. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Ray Patterson, of course. Glad to be here. And we're, of course, uh, on the air once again with Noahide Nations, and proud to be here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. And uh, we appreciate the uh, the constant flow of, uh, of mail, and we hope that we can uh, always have the time to get back and answer all of you. And we appreciate uh, not only your your compliments, but we appreciate your questions. So please uh, keep them coming in. Right? We have a, as always, our guests are special. This, as as always, as always, and this guest is no exception. <laughs> and today we, this is a, a gentleman uh, that we're having on the show today that is uh, familiar to many Noahides, and um, I have often heard him called the world's mightiest Noahide, and I've never known why. So, Adam Penrod, welcome to Noahide Nations. And and I, the first thing you out of, out of the box, you have to tell me why that you you have the the chutzpah to even call yourself that. Well, Jim, you know, as you've you've seen clearly enough, I don't have the chutzpah to call myself anything since you're the one who just called me the world's mighty Snowhide. So uh, obviously, it's a it's a title I must have earned somehow. Um, actually, what happened, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a, actually a big fan of uh, comic books growing up. And, um, and uh, of course, I, you know, I've always wanted to be the hero type and always been inspired by those. I, I, I couldn't help but uh, one day reading uh, a, 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 a copy of uh, Shazam comics, and Shazam is known as the world's mightiest mortal. Oh. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I could call myself the world's mightiest mortal, but... Uh, you know, Earth's mightiest Noahide, maybe we can make that stretch, especially nobody else has claimed the title yet. You know, Ray, I wonder uh, how many of those comic books that he read uh, have uh, a, have Haskama, you know, have the, have the rabbinical <laughs> endorsements on them. Uh, yeah. I, I would uh, uh, state, uh, just for, for, in my humble opinion, zero. Oh. I, I'm fairly confident <laughs> that uh, uh, there, there, there's not many. Probably count them on one hand of that. But, Jim, I think we need to remind the folks, too, you mentioned emails early on, uh, and we certainly do appreciate them. And please forgive us if we don't get back to you in a timely fashion. Uh, our schedules uh, just, you know, we get jammed up, and we're, we're, we're just not able to get to them all. So please forgive us and, and bear with us at the same time. So please just go ahead and send all of your emails, folks, to noahide at israelnationalradio.com. And uh, we will get back to you as quickly as we possibly can, I promise. And I know Jim's giving me the eye right now. He wants me to review the seven Noahide laws with you Please. real quickly. And I'm just going to give you the categories. And, uh, of course, the very first and most important one is not to commit idolatry, uh, also not to commit murder, not to commit theft, not to commit blasphemy against Hashem, no sexual transgressions, do not eat the limb of a living animal, and of course, to set up courts of justice for the purpose of seeking justice 
and rendering judgment based upon these six laws. And you know, Ray, the uh, the, the sages, Chazal teach us uh, that uh, even the negative mitzvot uh, carry uh, the the, uh, the idea that that we should somehow fulfill these in a positive way. Absolutely. And of course, uh, one of the, the the you know one of the negative commandments for Noahides is uh, not to commit you know sexual improprieties and and sexual you know deviant practices. So. We look at that and we go, well, how do we carry that out in a positive way? And of course, it is the the uh, through marriage, right? And that uh, the reason I brought that up is because I wanted to segue into one of the reasons that we have uh, our guest with us today, because Adam is uh, well, Adam is going to get married, and congratulations, first of all, Adam, and and Adam is going to have a Noahide wedding, and I don't think many of our listeners have had the opportunity to go to a Noahide wedding. Have you, did you, have you been to many? I've only had the opportunity to get to one Noahide wedding. This will be my second, actually. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. And your friend and mine, uh, Rabbi Kayim Richman, mm-hmm. is going to be performing the ceremony. And uh, I'm sure Adam is just busting a gut right now to tell us more about it. Well, not only that, but he actually put up a website to talk about and to explain what a Noahide wedding is. I, Baruch Hashem, actually had a Noahide wedding myself. Carol and I were married on one of uh, the archaeological digs that we uh, were able to participate in. We were married at the Dead Sea. She arrived on a camel. That is not a requisite, by the way, uh, of a Noahide wedding. That was Carol's bright idea. But it made for a great a great wedding video, though. Yeah, we, we actually tried to book a camel, but um, apparently uh, they're out of season uh, right. in May. So. <laughs> yes. the, the, for the limousine service of a camel, uh, they were out of season. But anyway, we're, we're hogging the microphone. Tell us, why did you decide, first of all, why to have a no-hide wedding? And secondly, why did you decide to put it up on the web? Well, obviously, uh, I, I wasn't going to have a, a Jewish or Christian or Buddhist wedding, so Noahide wedding seemed, seemed like the way to go for me. Um, why why put this on the, the Internet? Am I self-promotional in some way? Well, maybe a little bit. But I think the uh, the, the real answer is is that um, a couple of answers. Number one, uh, always looking for extra brownie point, points with the future Mrs. Penrod. Number two, um, we're going to have a very – eclectic group of people coming to the uh coming to the wedding we're going to have a mixture of uh of uh, noahides christians um orthodox jews and uh, some people know what to expect others don't and the hope for the the website was that we could kind of clue people in before they got there you know the the, the easiest way to uh help somebody not enjoy a wedding is to confuse them at the very beginning, and keep that up. Especially the groom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's who's already confused. <laughs> yeah, the, the groom doesn't, yeah, the, the groom is always confused with this. Um, but another reason is also because we do have people who are going to be coming to learn about the Noahide wedding. Uh, we also wanted to provide some material so they could even know what is a Noahide. What is this crate? You know, we, you know, we always have to establish first off that we're not a type of wood um, yeah. for people. Um or leather, yeah. and uh, so so one of the things we you know we, we you know we wanted to do was make this also a learning experience and in, in every kind of level a learning experience about what to expect when coming to the wedding and also 
a learning experience with, um, you know, just tour in general? Well, you know, Ray, uh, we had uh, recently on the show, in fact, I think people can still even listen to it if they download it. Uh, we had uh, Rabbi Goldberg from Baltimore on. Right, right. And we, we talked about the, the uh, literally the halakha, if you will, of a Nahide wedding. And they're really, it's, it's very simple. And I think we ought to stress that when people read what Adam is doing on his website, uh, much of what you're doing is just what you and your lovely bride to be want to do right. It's not. It's not imposed on Noahides to get married this way. That's that's a really good point. I, I you know I don't want to say that we're what we're doing is anyway halakha that it's uh, something that other Noahides are required to do. This is uh, in, in a sense we're, we're we're basically doing something that we feel will be very meaningful for ourselves and also for those who are going to attend. Uh, the basic method of Noahide marriage is very simple. And uh, that is, is that the bride and groom uh, go, go into the go into the tent and uh, consummate the relationship. Uh, that's that's essentially the 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 concept of marriage for Noahides. Um, it's a very inexpensive concept. Yes, <laughs> we're not going to let Adam go much further. This is a family show, so. But I I do want to uh, jump in here, Adam, because I feel like we might have put the cart before the horse a little bit. You have a fabulous story about how you got connected with your lovely bride-to-be. And I think it is, is fascinating, and it's, it's a story you guys are going to be able to tell uh, your kids and the grandkids, and I think it's a great thing, and I'd love for you to share it with us right now. Well, yeah, you know, uh, to, to make a long story short, uh, is impossible for me sometimes. So I'll just drag this out as long as I can. Um, basically, we know. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> ba- basically, um, well, you know, as you as you all know, uh, back in uh, 2003, 2004, I went through the uh, I was going through a conversion uh, program at Orsameach uh, under Rabbi Eisenstein, and uh, um, became deathly ill. Had to return back to the states before completing it. Well, I, I thought about going back and finishing it. In fact, made different efforts to go back and finish it. Uh, nothing ever worked out. I kept having things involving Noahides come up. And after you know, the last you know, three or four years of sitting around going, well, Hashem, do you want me to go? Do you want me to convert? Do you not want me to? I finally decided that I had to come to a decision, yes or no. Um, so what I did was uh, I said, Hashem, I'm by no means trying to test you in any way. I need to come to a decision. Um, you know, as you know, I'm, I, I very much would like to get married, start a family. Um, but I'm also trying to figure out, should I wait? Should I, you know, convert? What should I do? Well, I knew that um, Ray was planning a 2008 Noahide conference. And this was about, this is back in 2007. This was about a year, a uh, year exactly before the conference. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to give myself a year. I'll make the, the deadline. You know, I said to Hashem, I will basically make the deadline for finding a wife, the 2008 conference. If at the end of that conference I haven't found anyone, I'll take that as you telling me to go convert, and that's what I'll do. So uh, I decided that, and and, and uh, I'll tell you, had no success. Went on all the dating websites, looked here, looked there. Of course, the reason I thought I made the, the conference my end point was I thought, well, if I'm going to find anyone, it'll be at a Noahide conference. Right. Yeah. And, you know, seemed very logical to me. So, at the very least, that would be my 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 ultimate attempt. But I was trying to make you know throughout the year. Well, 
uh, never nothing ever came throughout the year. Got to the conference um, and uh, did what I had been doing for the, the over the course of the year. As soon as I met somebody, said, uh, "Excuse me, uh, do you know anybody that I could uh, you know uh, get married to, or you know who's single?" And I said, "No, Adam, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, and Ray said, "Get away, kid! You're bothering me." And um, <laughs> no, uh, and, and so I, I did this with uh, Rabbi Richmond's wife, Rena Richmond, and I went to the Rebbitson and I asked her. And uh, of course, this was the first time she had ever met me in her life, and uh, you know, uh, being very protective of the girls that she knows, you know, um, was was not willing to to jump in, in and tell me anything. But through the course of the confer- conference, uh, sharing the Shabbat with them, she got to know me, and she said, "You know." I just might have the girl for you. And uh, she promised that she would uh, actually, she needed to make sure that uh, the girl in question was okay with me getting her email and, and, and conversing back and forth. And uh, But she'd look into that for me. About a month, month and a half goes by, and I don't hear anything. And so I assume at that point that, you know, that I should just kind of, nothing's going to happen. But lo and behold, uh, I get an email from the Rebbitson saying, it's a go. Here's the email address. As soon as I got that, emailed her, and for the last uh, six months, we've been dating, um, and uh, we're, we're uh, engaged now. Um, only uh, I have to ask Ray. Uh, I'm sorry, not Ray, but I'm I'm getting my folks mixed up here. The, uh, now, was she what what I would sort of lovingly call a card carrying Noahide? Was she fully conversant in the seven laws, or how far along was she in, in that respect? Um, she was definitely a, 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 a Noahide. She knew the seven Noahide laws. I think there were some things that she was, she's, you know, still working through, um, as far as, uh, you know, you know, different ideas in Judaism and how, how to now reinterpret the world. I mean, before that she was previously Christian, um, even was a missionary and, uh, she, uh, she, she uh, had reformed, but, you know, like everybody still going through, through the, the process of seeing, what does the world look like through the, the perspective of Torah? Now, we'll say that she's had the benefit uh, since high school of studying off and on with uh, Sam Peake. Yeah. And uh, it was through uh, Sam's loving encouragement and Torah teaching, I think, that she was able to, you know, take on uh, Torah and start learning about Torah. Well, you know, this brings up a question I want to ask Ray, because, you know, um, the, the thing that we run into uh, when we go down this path of, of you know, discovering Torah and being drawn to to its ways is, especially when we're married, uh, you know, is our partner going to be on board? And I'm kind of curious, and I hope Ray doesn't mind me asking, was Mary, were you kind of walking together in your your search? Uh, Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I had just moved back to Chicago from Denver. And, of course, I wasn't looking for anyone, really, after having come out of a, a... shall I say, a poor marriage and had been divorced. I wasn't really looking, but when I got back to Chicago, I knew that I wanted to get into uh, a, a Bible study. I was still a Christian at the time, yeah. and I knew that I wanted to do that. Well, at the time that I had moved back was right during the playoffs and uh, leading right into the World Series, and I'm a big baseball fan. So I'm I'm laying there. I I'd, I'd, I'd gone through the phone book, found myself a Bible study, and lo and behold, here it is. The first time I'm going to go is the same night as one of the playoff games. And well, you know, I'm I'm going to go ahead and push this off to the side. I'll, I'll catch next week. 
Well, something in t- inside me told me I, I needed to go. And so I went. And lo and behold, there was the future, Mrs. Patterson, sitting on the couch. And so Mary and I uh, met at a Christian Bible study. And the thing that was phenomenal about Mary, and you know, she'll say the same uh, about me to, to others, is that we were looking for one thing, and that was the truth. We didn't care where it was. We just wanted it. So even though we got uh, married under the, the, the pretense of Christianity, I'll, I'll say, yeah. uh, we were looking for the truth. And because of that search, we took this journey together. And we both uh, went through the, the Christian thing. We went through the Messianic thing. But we were still seeking truth the whole way. And with the study of Torah, and I should say this more and more study of the five books of Moshe, we were able to finally get there. Yeah. And we achieved it on our own with other people around us. And so, so from that perspective, we're a little bit different than uh, uh, Adam and uh, Melinda. But we, we came through it in a path after we'd already been married because her prayer, believe it or not, was she wanted to meet somebody who loved God. Yeah. I don't think she realized fully what that meant when I started taking on projects like Noahide Nations and you start finding the 80-hour weeks being routine. and uh, So I don't think she really was looking for that, but that's what she got is a guy who loves God. Yeah, well, I, I don't think that people realize, and I may, this could be the fault of us on the show, but, you know, we often, we're often talking in very practical terms about the Noahide laws because, you know, we, we are living in the physical realm, and it does matter how we treat each other. And so these laws, very much like the laws in the Torah, are very much about our relationship with our fellow man and, and, and woman. And, you know, it's, it's funny because all three of us can talk about the power of prayer in this respect when it comes to the, the, the women in our, in our lives in that, you know, you, you talk about Mary's prayer being answered. I'm sure you were praying. Adam obviously was praying on a regular basis. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Actually, this is pretty significant because, uh, you know, uh, remember when we went to uh, Israel together back in 2006 to, sure. to film uh, various people, including Rabbi Richmond, <clears throat> I had taken some advice that Jim had given me because even back in 2006, I was, you know, wanting to find a, wanting to find a, uh, a Noahide girl. So what I did was um, Jim's advice was to uh, take a piece of paper and write down everything you want in, uh, in your future wife and be as specific as possible. Talk, talk about everything. What does she look like? What kind of personality, so on and so forth. So I went and uh, I, I thought, you know, if there's a place to do this, it's got to be in Israel. Right. Yeah. And so I went through while I was in Israel, and I wrote all this out on a piece of paper. I, I mean, I did everything, height, hair color, eye color, everything. I also talked about her personality, um, what kind of things I was looking for. Um, it was a pretty extensive list. I mean, I was very, very specific about everything. Uh, took it to the Western Wall, you know, folded it up, put it in the wall, prayed very sincerely. And, you know, it was amazing, you know, first off, almost from the get-go, uh, within the first couple of emails, that of meeting her or talking to her on the phone, I was pretty sure that this was going to be the girl. Um, but as I got to know Melinda more and more and more, I was amazed that everything I'd put on that, that list was there. 
So much so, so much to to the point that I couldn't make up my mind on my list if I wanted a girl with green eyes or brown eyes. <laughs> and Melinda's eye color actually kind of changes depending wow. on the light. So it just kind of it's just absolutely amazing that uh, that that I would have that. You know, I mean, there's there are a lot of amazing things about our relationship. It was, you know, we, there we were uh, uh, interviewing Rabbi Richmond, uh, do the prayer. And who is it who who, who uh, puts us together? But uh, Rabbi Richmond's wife, the Rebbitson. Um, yeah, you, you literally didn't go out looking for this person on this checklist, right? Somebody, in, in essence, almost like brought her to you, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, and that see, and 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 of course, the reason that I gave Adam that advice was because it worked for me. I I had been told by someone uh, when I was single and and, and looking for uh, a wife, and and my dating was in, was you know not working out because. Women would ask me, you know, well, what are you? You're not a Christian and you're not Jewish. You know, you're neither fish nor fowl. And they, they, they of course, the, the typical response is, oh, you must be in a cult, you know. And so <laughs> I, well, I did that. So I, I had that out of the way already. But the point is, is that I was given some advice by a much older lady who was a friend. And, and I, I, I sat down like I told you to do and was very specific. And the same thing happened to me is someone called me up and said, I want you to meet somebody. And and then I, in my experience, I, I found the, the letter that I wrote to Hashem, basically, is what it was. And I found it three months after we'd been dating, and I, I almost fell over because it was, it was, it was Carol, my, my present wife, uh, uh, to a T. Everything on the checklist. And so, you know, people can say, well, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and that... But it, I think it would have been if I'd gone out literally with list in hand and walked over and went, lady, you're the right color, height, hair, and, and I let's talk. And it was funny because, I, and I mentioned this, and I know we'll have to go for a break in a minute. I remember that I was, because it's so hard to find uh, a nullhide partner, and we hope that will change as more people come into the, to, to the ranks of, of the nullhides. Uh, I even said, Hashem, uh, just let her be open to the idea of the seven laws and of Torah. And and that's exactly what she was. She was she was a Christian who was very unsatisfied with her place in in life and her relationship with God. And the Torah immediately she immediately responded. She was going to Torah class. I invited a second date. I invited her to a Torah class, and she. You're a bold man. Yeah. Well, and and I said <laughs> if she'll stick around after this date, after this Torah class, I know I've got a winner. And uh, Baruch Hashem, you know she did. Um, uh, and, and yeah. We are starting to push up against the break here, but uh, I wanted to ask real quick. Now, you put this message to Hashem, if you will, in the wall in 2006, I believe you said. I know that Melinda had spent uh, like a year in in uh, Israel doing just like a, a Noahide should be doing. When was she in Israel? Well, let's see here. She got back about six months ago. Um, so it was a year and a half ago that she was in Israel. Well, I tell you what, we have another, uh, we want to talk a little bit more about uh, the upcoming nuptials uh, of our guest, Adam Penrod, and we are going to talk about another announcement we'd like to make coming up right after this break. We'll be back on the other side with more Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com.
You mean to tell me you don't have an Art Scroll Talmud or Mishnah? You wouldn't be struggling through Shir so much if you had the easy-to-follow Art Scroll Talmud with English translation and footnotes. It's the perfect companion for the serious yeshiva student or for those just starting out. Get one now at 37% off. Art Scroll's biggest sale ever. Just go to www.artscroll.com slash arutz. That's A-R-U-T-Z. Every Art Scroll purchase helps Arutz Sheva, Israel National Radio. Art Scroll Books. Point. Click. Learn. Welcome back to Noahide Nations. You're listening to us on Israel National Radio. I'm Jim Along, along with our co-host, Ray Pedersen. Hello, folks. Hi, Ray. Thanks for sticking around. Please. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, to Rabah. And uh, our guest today is a young man who uh, some of you may know, and we hope that you have gotten to know him a little better on today's show, Adam Penrod. Adam, thanks for sticking around for the, for the rest of the show. Uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that not only are you doing something that is unusual for uh, for folks these days, you're having a Noahide wedding. You're also, you also have put all of the details of this wedding on uh, a website. So uh, to get back into the conversation about that, we'd like to know where people can find the website and then also kind of pick up the thread a little bit of, of the relationship that you and Melinda have developed. Uh, any, maybe any interesting things that have happened since you've been dating uh, or, uh, Anything that any conversations, well, that you can share with us that you've had with it. But first of all, how do people find the website? You know, it's pretty easy. Um, we actually, uh, um, at first, I was going to try to do adamandmelinda.com, but uh, that that failing because it's being used by somebody else. Uh, I actually went on and found that noahidewedding.com was available mm, as a URL. That. So <laughs> I snagged that up. You can get to it, you know, N-O-A-H-I-D-E, you know, wedding.com. And uh, you can get right there and um, you can click on the wedding tab for some of the details regarding the wedding, um, specifically elements of the wedding. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about the... Yeah, I, the thing I was interested in, I think our listeners might be interested in, is, uh, and we stress this again, we, we stress that this is, we, we mentioned halakha. For those of you who, who are uh, new to the idea of being a Noahide, uh when we say halakha, of course, this is a Hebrew word which is literally means the, the, the way to go. And and for for people uh, of the nation of, of Israel... Uh, this is the specifics of how they are to carry out the commandments, the mitzvot. And, and for Noahides, we have a sort of halakha, the way that we're supposed to do things. And we are not commanded as Noahides uh, by the Torah or by the, the, uh, any of the Chazal in, in their explaining the Torah and, the, and these laws to us. We're not commanded to do anything except literally agree to be married Live together. And live together, and you consummate the marriage. And for some of the, you, you folks, you may think, well, that's a very sort of pagan idea. No, you go down and get the wedding license, because one component of being an Ohide is, of course, the law of setting up courts of justice. We are very much about, you know, you follow the laws of the particular country that you live in. So, yeah, you get the marriage license, but if you literally were going to follow the Noahide halakha of marriage to the letter, you don't have to do much else than get a wedding license and then set up house. But a lot of folks, I guess it's because of their the parents of the bride usually, or the you know they want to they want to get into a big shindig, and and that's fine too. But it's not commanded. But Adam, 
who I think probably likes to, to have a good time more than anybody I know, says, you know, we're going to have a good time. So talk a little bit about some of the other things you're going to be doing, uh, some of the elements of the Snowhide wedding. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because, in part, um, do, setting this up, one of the, the, the most important things to us was, you know, of course, having a rabbi marry us, uh, and, and none other than Rabbi Richmond. Um, that Chaim was Chaim Richmond, Rabbi Chaim Richmond uh, from the Temple Institute. Uh, because you know his his wife put us together, and we go to Rabbi Richmond, you know, for you know our, our questions and spiritual guidance, and uh, we were very pleased to find out. Of course, Rabbi Richmond would be in the states at the time, so he agreed to uh, marry us. Uh, above and beyond that, what we kind of there were there were you know both of us really wanted to have a wedding. Uh, Melinda is a very uh, you know she she wasn't in for a lot of flash. But very much, you know, more the the elements that she found very beautiful in the Torah regarding, uh, you know, way, some of the ways that Jews get married, but also adding in a little bit of our own personality into the wedding, which, you know, really for a lot of Noahide events, it's, you know, that's a good thing, being able to throw in your own, you know, Noahide flavor into it, whatever well, that may of be. Of course, that, asks, that begs the question in your case, Adam, uh, will you be wearing a cape? <laughs> because you are the world's mightiest Noahide, I understand. Well, you know, Jim, you you asked that question, and uh, your average person wouldn't have uh, wouldn't it for a moment hesitate and say, "Well, of course not." But uh, I, I will I will tell you that yes, I had actually considered that. Um, I, I will be wearing a, a, a talit. Um, I had at one point wanted to actually, you know, kind of put an emblem of some sort on it. Yeah. But um, we won't be doing that. I've been informed. Now you're gonna you're gonna have a, a chupa. We're going to have a chupa. We're going to Explain have a, what that is. a chupa is basically it's a it, it's a canopy made up of a prayer shawl. Um, we're going to actually be using uh, Melinda's father's prayer shawl and held by four people. Actually, Jim, you're going to be one of the four people holding up the chupa. Um, we have uh, my uh, my brother Abraham holding up one leg, and then Andy overall and Jacob Sharf holding up the. Other two legs. Now, in the the great tradition of the Torah, uh, if any of us get tired, will there be members that will come over and hold up our our arms <laughs> if the wedding goes too long? Is that possible? Only if the uh, Amalekites start attacking us. <laughs> you know, otherwise we're going to hope you can uh, you can take care of it for yourself. You know, well, it's West Texas, so I don't think there's too many of them around. <laughs> Not open anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we uh, we have other elements. Um, you know, uh, um, we're we're going to be doing a, uh, a thing before the wedding called a tish, which is sort of like you know uh, a get together where the groom celebrates with the other men, and the women will go off and celebrate with the bride, and that'll culminate in uh, the veiling ceremony where the groom is escorted to the bride, and he actually veils her, and uh, hopes that he has she doesn't have a twin sister to take her place. Right. Um, yes. Uh, and uh, from there, we we're going to go up. And uh, actually, it's it's interesting that um, in your traditional American wedding, the, the the groom kind of wanders up on his own and is standing there waiting for the uh, for the bride. And the bride is escorted down the aisle by her father. Sure, yeah. uh, in, the, in in this wedding, actually, what we're doing is the is uh, the parents of both the groom and the bride will escort each of them down there. So. My parents will be escorting me to the hoopa, and her parents will be escorting her to the hoopa. There's some elements that we're still working out with Rabbi Richmond because he's actually, there's actually some elements he wants to kind of work out. Uh, we're, we're going to be uh, uh, Noahide guinea pigs in some ways, which we're 
looking forward to. So we're working out some of those details. One thing that I was really, I'm really uh, glad about, we met with uh, Rabbi Richmond back in January, got a little um, uh, marriage counseling from he and his wife when they were in town. And uh, that's interesting because I have much of us who listen to Eric Sheva and Israel national radio. And we listen to his show. We have such high regard for Rabbi Richmond. Uh, Is there any kind of, uh, advice that he gave you as far as, uh, you know, having a great marriage that, that, that uh, you think is applicable that that, could, that you could share with us? Anything that you remember that he told you, if you weren't, <laughs> you know, thinking about other things at the time, but I mean, anything you can recall that? Uh... Yeah, I, I think one of the things he stressed the most was the sanctity of the relationship, sacredness, and how that, um, you know, especially for the groom, or for the the husband that it's really a lot of that really rests on him on even his mentality towards the relationship and that it's very important for him to, you know, uh, uplift his wife and to also keep the sacredness of that relationship. Yeah, that, that's, that's very important. And I, I can tell you that, uh, and Ray may have something to share in this respect, but I know uh, with, with Carol and I, uh, as, as we continued to study Torah, and and uh, see the real role of of the woman in in marriage. Uh, first of all, the study of Torah completely dispelled that that old canard about uh, that you know the the quote Old Testament end quote uh, idea of, of what a, what a woman's quote place is. Right. Uh, you know there is this horrible misconception that that the books of what what the Christian world calls the Old Testament, what we call the Tanakh. Uh, that that women are are sort of subjugated and and considered less than men, and really, I, and I, this is something you need to listen to if you're a first time, uh, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time and you're new to this, and you're even new to Torah. Let me tell you that the the, the role of the woman, especially in, in a marriage, is elevated to the point where, uh, and I think Ray can probably say the same thing. I gained a brand new respect for my wife. Thanks to the study of Torah in how the matriarchs, you know, such as Rebecca and Sarah and Leah and Raquel, Rachel, uh, how important they were, how they impacted many of the laws that are are given to to uh, men in the Torah are, you know, know, if I'm not mistaken, there are many more mitzvot for men than there are women because women literally. Uh, are not just made differently than men physically; they're made spiritually different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take as much for a woman to to uh, to uh, walk towards Hashem and reach a level of holiness as it does a man. Sure. And, and I'm not saying that to emasculate us. Uh, in fact, you, I, I don't think you can be a real man without a real woman in right. your relationship. The best analogy that I ever heard, Ray, is that a, uh, a rabbi once I once read this. I believe that a, a woman was like this, like a gem, and that the man was like the setting. And, you know, a setting isn't worth much all by itself. A setting becomes beautiful when you put it together with a beautiful gem. But you know what? A gem is beautiful all by itself. Right. And uh, quite frankly, we see in Torah that women have really earned this. I mean, they really did. When when you uh, recall the uh, the building of the, uh, not, tabernacle. Not the, the tabernacle. Yeah. What were some of the things that were given up when the people were donating to the the silver and the gold? The women could not give enough of this in order to achieve this. 
their mirrors yeah. uh, were used to build the, the, the brass. What I'm yeah. the big brass. The laver. The laver. The yes, laver. That's it. Uh, it. And it was because they were so concerned about their men coming home worn out and tired that they, they wanted to be beautiful for their men, for their husbands. And because of this attribute, it's highly recognized. And Hashem knew this, and this is what was used to, to create this lever. Uh, the, the two shall become one. I don't think people totally understand or can get their minds around what that really means until you've been married for a number of years. My wife and I have gone through this. Jim, you and Carol have probably gone through it. You'll find yourselves responding to the question exactly the same way simultaneously. Yeah. And it's it's remarkable because when Mary and I experience that, we just look at each other and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hashem told us the two shall become one. I guess we were meant to be together after all. Well, I mean, that's, so. the, that, that's the idea in, in uh, Judaism of uh, Beshert. Uh, the one who is the one that you're destined to be with, the soul that you're destined to be with. And I know one of the, my favorite uh, passages in the Tanakh is from Proverbs about the woman of valor. Right. Yeah. When right. you read that, that is not a subjugated woman. I no. mean, this is a woman who's got a great business head on her shoulders. Right. Uh, she works obviously harder than we do as men. We sit in the gate, it says. Right. And I found, and, and if I can just, you know, pass along some, some unsolicited advice to you guys out there who haven't uh, gotten married yet or you want that wedding, that marriage to be better, and I know Adam knows this already as well as Ray, that, you know, if, if you will read that verse in, is it Proverbs 30? If you'll read that, you will you will gain a new respect for the wife that God has given you, and and I know that uh, I can only say this because of, of Torah, because it it because the women in Torah are are such amazing figures in the history of the Jewish people, and I found that you know you don't you don't have to you know you don't want to be no we we've never told Noahides they they have to be uh, want to be Jews. But we can. But certainly, the Jews are have always been, as we're taught in the Torah, an example to us. Well, you know, one thing that um, was a thrill for me was that I'd really kind of come to the conclusion that if I wanted an Ashit Hail, if I wanted a woman of valor, that uh, perhaps I'd have to convert to Judaism to find one. I was very thrilled to find out that they're they're you know because all the because I, I have met Ashit Hail amongst the, the Gentiles, but they're all married. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was coming to the conclusion that you know all the all the good ones have been taken up, and so I was so thrilled when uh, I found my very own Ashid Hile. Um And one other piece of advice the rabbi encouraged me on was to listen to the wisdom of uh, my my future bride. That uh, well, wisdom is wisdom is what kind of word in Hebrew? Um, it's a feminine, a feminine word. word. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Hokma. And it's a yeah. very spiritual word, and women have a, a much larger tendency to be m- far more spiritual than the men do. The men seem to be the doers, and the women are the ones who who are able to experience Hashem oftentimes before a man does. But, you know, it's it's interesting because you bring this up because the Malbum and his commentary on Proverbs actually tells us, I think it's uh, Proverbs chapter 1, he talks about that the that, that, that wisdom, Chokhmah, uh, uh, that actually, this this is actually something that cannot be learned through experience or understood through learning. This is actually something that comes from a divine source. This is something yeah. that comes 
from outside of ourselves that 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 comes into us. And this is very much what we have with you know if you find a a a a, a good woman, a wise woman, then this is why her her value is ab- ab- above rubies because she she has this connection to the Hashem and and, and the divine wisdom that. Uh, Men, uh, men don't don't have so much. Well, I, uh, we're looking forward to it, and I and I, uh, you know, I, I I don't know if Ray has been invited, and and uh, if I haven't stepped on my uh, put my foot in my mouth if I haven't, but I know that we're you know we're looking forward to it, Adam, and we're so uh, glad to have you on the show to talk about it. But we have to talk about the other reason that we have you on the show. And so if we had a drum roll, we would, we would uh, you know, cue the, dr- the drum roll right now. But uh, uh, good news for some of the listeners out there, I'm leaving the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving the Noahide Nations. I'm leaving the Noahide Nations show. The, the reasons are, are, you know, manifold. There are many. Uh, my schedule conflicts. Uh, maybe it is from heaven. I don't know. Uh, I know that, that uh, I talked to Ray and, and, and we also talked to Adam about it. And we thought that, that this gentleman, this young man, would make a wonderful replacement as the co-host on Noahide Nation. So uh, I believe, um, uh, hopefully, God willing, the next show you hear, you will hear Ray Patterson and uh, young Adam Penrod as the new co-host of uh, Noahide Nations. And so, first of all, I want to be the first to welcome you aboard, Adam, uh, on the new show. And I know you do a, you'll do you do a, a fantastic job. Uh, I think that the two of you will, will balance each out other each other out admirably and um if if i can i'd like to plug one of the reasons i won't be able to be on the show because my travels at my travel schedule has become so tight these days and i have other things going on and i didn't want the show to suffer because i couldn't be here to to be a part of it and uh not that ray can't carry on on his own it's just that that you know the it is a burden to do it on your own first of all well, and I think it's also uh, keeps it more interesting and more lively when there's uh, two people. Yeah. Uh, it's not a question of whether you or I could have done this on our own. It's just we've come to understand that uh, having two people, we, we complement each other. Right. Uh, well, because it's a conversation. You're right. And, of course, I'm disappointed that you're, you're leaving, but Hashem calls us to do things, and, you know, that's the priority in our lives. And whatever that is, we have to move in that direction and leave that which we're doing behind. And, you know, in all honesty, I'm, I'm disappointed. And, oh, by the way, Adam has invited me to his uh, wedding. Oh, good, so, good. Uh, the wife and I well. will be making an appearance out there. Okay. I won't be holding one of the corners of the hoopah, though. Uh, I'll have a, a, a seat in the front row. Well, so. the reason, you know, one thing, one thing that Ray knows is that ever since we've done the, the show has begun, uh, and most of you who've listened regularly know that I, I don't get on and promote my own particular uh, events and agendas, but I'm going to take this time, uh, since it'll, it'll be the last time I'll be on the show for a while at least, to let everybody know that one of the reasons I'm going to be busy is that uh, just before Pesach, before Passover, uh, on March 15th, uh, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of the Riddle of the Exodus, which of course is, is my own book, and my documentary, and I'm going to be giving a lecture March 15th at 7:30 at Aish Torah in Los Angeles. And oh, great! Yeah, great. So, any of you who are interested and are going to be in the Los Angeles area around the 15th of March, who can be there? I believe it's uh, at 9100 uh, West Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles. Uh, it's going to follow, by the way, an entire day 
of the Discovery series that Asha Torah often uh, will present to bring Jews back to the wonders of Torah. And I'm so uh, so pleased and so honored to be speaking at the end of the the the, the day, uh, 7:30 that night, to sort of sort of cap off this discovery series. And I will bring what I believe are evidence and proofs that the uh, the Exodus is a very real and a very historical and a very archaeological uh, uh, rooted experience for the people of um, Israel. So I hope you can come, and that's going to be one of the reasons. And uh, Adam, I officially turn my microphone over to you. What are you two guys going to be talking about in the in the coming weeks? Is that a, is that a fair question? Uh, well, we've only been able to chat about it for uh, a little bit, uh, and I think one of the things that we really want to start doing is getting into a little bit deeper understanding of the Noahide laws. Uh, certainly, we've gone over the uh, the seven major categories, and I recently, while you were on your trip in, in Egypt, uh, went a little deeper than that by covering the subcategories and giving you know everyday examples of things that occur that we don't even consider to be a violation of Torah, which actually are. So we want to take it even a little bit deeper, maybe do a focus, like uh, do one show on idolatry and just, mm-hmm. just tear it apart, dig into it, and what do we have? So one of the shows that we actually want to focus on is going to be what is the difference between halakha, uh, between obligation and uh, doing something additionally voluntarily? No, I know a lot of folks out there know this. I know you guys know this, but Torah literally means the instruction. Well, the instruction of, of what? Yeah. Uh, the instruction is for how to live your life on the path of Hashem. You guys were talking earlier about uh, you know how people respond. Are they are they uh, keeping too many? Are they doing too little? And they're constantly living in a state of fear. And of course, in order to even do anything, you have to do something. Yeah. So you almost the Torah almost gives you permission to do these. But here's the parameters in which to do these. And and Ray, this is something that is uh, that you just touched on that is also uh, relevant for not only for the people of of Israel but for Noahides who love God and who want to keep the Sheva Mitzvot or whatever particular level their relationship is with Hashem. And that is that it, it is the doing, that you can't just sit around and think good thoughts all day right, long. Right. You, know, you, you, you know, you have to be, you know, that's what they said at Sinai, and it, and it can't be said often enough. They, the, the, the people of Israel at Sinai said, we will do and we will hear. And that's the key right there. Right. That's how we become holy. That's how the Jews become holy. They do it by because you you can't just think about doing good. And I, I know that when that that was a revelation for me when I got into Torah that that it wasn't just thinking about it that you had to do it in a reality. We're really backed up for time here, so I'm going to have to bring it to an end. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. And until then, please always look to the heavens for your strength in Hashem, because Hashem is always looking out for you. See you folks next week right here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Cut down on time at the airport. Introducing the ultimate airport experience by Menashe Sofer's airport service. It's the first of its kind. The VIP meet and assist shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience to and from Ben-Gurion International Airport. Online at www.msoferairport.com. 
Tell them you heard about it here at Israel National Radio. Speed and service. MSOPHERAirport.com. M-S-O-P-H-E-R-Airport.com. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to stop being active. Frequent trips to the bathroom are a thing of the past with Priso Branda Puntamol, the miracle development from Israel's cactus flower. If you are a man suffering from prostate or urinary problems, or a woman suffering from incontinence or cystitis, Priso can help with its natural remedy made from their puncha flower. Don't just suffer, get Priso. It really helps. For more information, visit priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O.com. 